Welcome to episode 332 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Monday, April 11th. I am your host, Paul Spohr, joined as always on Mondays, or at least the Monday episode whenever it comes out, by Eno Saris. Eno, how are you, bud? Doing good. I just uh, came back from ball practice, and uh, the old man that schooled me last week gave me some pointers on how to be more deceptive. So How not to get destroyed by me in the future, is what you're saying. <laughs> well, he, he basically pointed out when I bring the ball around that I, I sort of bring it to the defender and up when I should bring it up sort of behind me. And, it, you know, on the way here, I was thinking about it. It's a lot like in baseball. If you're, if you're looking for an easy way to spot deception, watch the way that they bring the ball up. The pitcher brings the ball up behind him. Does he bring it? Does he bring it up in front of him so that you can see the ball the whole way? Does it bring it up behind his head? Yuzmer Petit brings the ball up behind his head and then leaves with his elbow so he can't see the ball. Does he bring the ball up sort of uh, through his ribs, you know, by his ear? As you say uh, that, I'm watching Nate Jones with his interesting delivery uh, where he kind of Statue of Liberty's it up. Not as much as Paco Rodriguez who like brings it up and holds it. But I don't. I think that might have some deception, even though it kind of shows the ball up there, because it's kind of hard to follow it that whole way too. Yeah, so yeah. So that can that's... be tricky for for the batter. Even if it looks like they're showing it, can they track it from that particular spot to where it's going to come out of? Yeah, and another, you know, somebody asked me, you know, is there something to the fact that deceptive deliveries look weirder and maybe they're more injury prone or or you know have less command and. Um, you know, versus a really nice repeatable delivery that everyone likes that, you know, people can see the ball easily and there's no deception. And I, I actually asked Mc, um, Mark uh, Rigetti. What is his first name? Dave. There's like brothers. Dave Rigetti. Dave. And yes, I believe there is a Mark Rigetti. So I think you're you're OK on that one. <laughs> anyway, I asked the, uh, the the one that's coaching the Giants about Yusmer Petit and if he'd ever tried to you know coach him out of it. And I think that, you know, to a large part, major league coaches and even to some extent the, the development coaches in the minor leagues, they leave you alone. You know, they leave you alone, especially if it works, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that they think it's in their job description to necessarily give you 100% perfect mechanics, if they, if, even if they do believe that exists, you know. So sure. I think that they their their job description is to get – a pitcher to the major leagues that's any good. And uh, that's not quite the same thing. So uh, so I think if you saw a guy like Yusmer Petit, you'd say, what do I need to help him out? I need to help him with a cutter so that he has, you know, a cutter, a bigger breaking ball, and that change up. And, you know, that's all I need to really worry about, whether or not he's going to be a starter or a reliever. That's that's what I work on. Does he Is he deceptive? Yeah, that's great. But, uh, you know, nothing I nothing I'm going to do about that. So that makes sense. Uh, that, that that definitely fits. By the way, there is no Mark Getty. You're just making players up, making oh, people nice. out of nice. nowhere. It's Dave rags, rags, if you will. Um, no, that that is really interesting. And deception is a, is a fascinating thing. It's it, it's one of the more yeah. nebulous things in uh, in pitching. Uh, there's a lot of nebulous things that are, are, you know, player to player, pitcher to pitcher sort of thing. I think deception is definitely one of them. And it's interesting that you can, we're kind of talking about this right now and if, if you should change guys' mechanics because I'm listening to The Arm, Jeff Passan's new book, because I don't have time to sit down and read, or at least I pretend and I tell myself that I don't so that I can listen to it. But it's a fascinating, excellent book so far, and they talk about Daniel Hudson and his mechanics and how originally there were people who wanted to change him, and then they realized that that's part of why he's successful because of his because of his interesting, uh, you know, unique mechanics. So 
it, it's it's an endless thing that since pitchers vary so much, it's always a fertile topic to discuss deception and kind of how it works. However, today we're not talking all that much deception because we're talking actually we're getting deceived maybe by some of these hot starters and that's what we're gonna be talking about hot hitters who are on fire a weekend you know and i gotta i gotta get your take i gotta see who you're buying i gotta see who you're selling what you're asking for so we got six guys i promise trevor story is not included folks i know that you're tired of hearing trevor story takes and stupid trevor story puns but uh we, we've kind of done that to death as a baseball industry so far this week. So we're talking about six other guys who are on fire, all hitters. And then for the strategy section, we're going to talk a little bit about pitching because we love to do that. And I want to just get some ideas from you on when is it enough to buy a pitcher without much track record who is, who is excelling? Um, You know, conversely, what about a guy who's running counter to his established track record on either side, really, whether he has established as a mediocre or bad and he's pitching really well or he's been he's established stud and he's and he's shaky a little bit. Like, what are some of the signs you're looking for? So that we can get into that discussion after we talk about these hitters. But we're going to dive right in on hitters here. And Gene Segura is somebody that I was advocating to not select for any reason whatsoever this year. I just not bought in. Um, I kind of bought back in last year after that that down 2014. We we know a million times over that he had the horrible personal tragedy that likely played a role in the hitting. And who's to say when you're going to get over that, though? I think we assumed, okay, one year he'll get over it. And who knows? You know, who knows if it was not affecting him all of last year as well when he had a tough season? Um, who's to say how much of it plays in either way, in any of the two seasons? Either way, two really awful seasons in a row after that sparkling first half in 2013 and then a bad second half though. So you're really talking about two and a half years that just weren't all that special. So I kind of jumped off the Gene Segura train, even at 26, even with him being a leadoff hitter for the Diamondbacks. And so far he's making me eat my words, but I'm not that worried just yet. But the 407 batting average, the 1317 OPS, three bombs, one of them inside the park, two stolen bases. Gene Segura's on fire right now, but you know, where do you currently stand? Cause I think that you lean more towards the path that I was on when the season started. Have you changed it all in a week? Well, I mean, obviously the 481 ISO is uh, is not going to happen. That, no, no. That's actually the one thing I do believe in. <laughs> I think that that's, I mean, well, I mean coming to get higher. Nice hitters, Bark. He did hit 12 in 2013. No, I think that also, not to get too much into the psychology of it, but you know, he didn't leave the town that he lived in. You know, he didn't change his situation at all. So, you know, I have to think for, that for whatever last year, you mean. Yeah. So whatever, you know, when something like that happens, it's really tough because everything reminds you of it. Hundred percent. Yeah. And now I couldn't believe I could believe that, you know, he's just, you know, waking up in the same house where that kid was born, you know, and just and just sort of, you know, thinking about it, you know, and then the season being so crappy that there's no like. There's no like, hey, Milwaukee's doing really well. I'm just gonna, you know, put all my my thoughts and emotions into Milwaukee and into the team and and uh, and let it go that way. So, you know, I, I just don't want I, I don't want to leave out the fact that 2013 happened, that he had decent iso- isolated powers in the minor leagues. He did not look like a guy who was gonna have a .080 ISO in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. You know, he he had. You know, 151 ISO in A ball. 
140. And these are the big sample ones. Even the AA, when it went down to 110, it was still 110. So, and I think maybe Angels AA is, is a decent park. So, you know, I, I can see why projection systems, you know, take that all out. But really, he never had a full season with under 100 ISO in the minor leagues. And then, you know, he had a 129 ISO in his good year. And, and, um, and we, we think that, you know, basically because of the law of numbers, the other, you know, 1,200 plate appearances with the .080 ISO is for real. But we don't know. You know, we're still talking about a 26-year-old. So uh, I think that uh, he could easily have like a .120 ISO in, in Arizona. That would work because that's going to be a lot of doubles and triples. That's the thing, too. That park is, is known as a hitter's park. It's not – uh, necessarily a launching pad or only a launching pad I should say for home runs it's also got it's that spacious outfield you can shoot the gaps and he's going to turn a lot so Gene Segura is going to turn a lot of would-be doubles for most guys into triples look at what somebody like David Peralta has done with decent speed what the heck is Segura going to do with plus speed um, in those gaps yeah and you know that's just Sort of looking at his career and, and his certain and his position now and what's going on top of the lineup, you know, uh, new team. Somebody traded for him, which is a nice moment in anyone's life. It's it, someone wanted him again, um, and this is after you know. I'm sure I don't know if he read it, but the, there were pieces that you know said the deal was stupid and mm-hmm. um, and that the Diamondbacks uh, paid an asset for to replace you know a bad player with a bad player, basically. Uh, and, you know, maybe he'd seen all that and maybe he has a chip on his shoulder. The nice, the only nice thing that you can really see in the numbers, and the reason I like these numbers better than anything, um, is that they're per pitch numbers. And, you know, uh, he's already seen, um, you know, uh, 100 pitches. So, you know, when we were talking about, you know, 28 plate appearances, that's pretty crappy. But, you know, you usually, you usually get four times as good of a sample from per pitch stuff. So uh, there we have 100 pitches. It's not enough to say things have changed for good, but in terms of swing metrics, which are per pitch, you know, he's already basically 10 swings less per 100. He's already taken 10 swings less this year. He's already taken 10 fewer swings this year than he would have last year. You know what I like about Segura as well is he's already a high contact guy. And so far, again, when in these 100 pitches, only a 3% swinging strike rate. Yeah, he is yeah. putting bat on ball and then just going. Two doubles, and that's, a triple. And that's that's another per-pitch per metric. And the, and the 10 swings that he hasn't taken have all been on pitches outside the zone. So, you know, yes, these are small sample numbers, but those that's 10 pitches out of 100 pitches. It's already sort of... You know, that's sort of a big number, man. Let's, I mean, let's do this. Let's do it. Let's do this for April. Okay. We're not going to say small sample anymore. Right. If you <laughs> don't know that at this point, if you think we're making definitive bankable statements on seven games, 28 plate appearances, 100 pitches, then you're either new to this podcast or you're not paying any attention to us. Or you want something that we're not going to give you. But exactly. In any case. I will. Uh, I like that the projections have. T- they've already taken a little step forward. Yes, they have. Well, what, yeah. what what are those projections, and which ones do you like the best out of the well, three that have updated? They basically they all say he's a two seventy five hitter. I'm going to give him the zip stolen bases twenty six. I'm going to say that by the end of the year he's going to be two seventy five ten thirty guy. That's uh, huge. What is that? That's that's top three. That's it might even be really dang good at that point. And yeah. that's going to make Paul Spore look really bad on Segura. 
Yeah, well, I'm third personing I mean, it the rest of my life now. It's Paul. Sport. I don't know. I don't even know if I have any shares, but um, you know, I, I did think that he was a decent uh, back. I, I I was advocating sort of a uh, Segura plus, um, you know, uh, young young, you know, Segura Desmond. Uh, I think I remember saying in the podcast was a good approach or, a, uh, you know, pairing him with somebody. So you know, so, if anybody listened to me, then. Uh, then kudos. There was nobody that really did that last year at shortstop 1030 that you're talking about, but it's essentially Jose Reyes 2014 with a, with Reyes had a little bit more batting later, average, which is later not career, out of, later career, not, not late career, but like, yeah, you know, later career peaks, still like right very good. Jose Reyes. Yeah. And, and, and he was being taken in the top three still then. So. Exactly. He had nine homers, 30 stolen bases and a 287 average. And you said 275 for Segura. The, the, the difference there over 600, 700 plate appearances isn't I that much. Know. So he could fall into some Babbitt block and all of a sudden be that 287 as well. But even if he's at the 275 with 10 and 30, that would be huge for Segura. Um, that, that's really interesting. I'm, I'm still not sure on the power. I'm still a little bit skeptical after just one week, but I've definitely moved him up. There's no way I'm not moving him up. He just looks better at the plate, and I've watched a handful of Arizona games because they were playing Trevor Story and the Rockies, and I wanted to see some offense. Uh, so I, you know, I was checking out those games, oh. and he just looks better up there, Gene Segura does. How about this? How about this? We can actually track how much Zips has changed. Oh, that's great. What? Well, what so, about I think the like if I'm reading this right, the preseason projection uh, for for Segura was a 267 average, seven homers, 27 stolen bases, and a .094 ISO. And right now, the the rest of season projection is a 272 average with a 107 ISO. And, and nine bombs. That's rest of season nine bombs in addition to the three that Segura already has. So they've got him going from 12, seven to 12. From seven to 12. And so they're pretty reactive on this power thing. Well, that that that's really interesting. And Zips and, and most projection systems are not super aggressive. So when you see them make a move like that, I do think you have to take take stock of it and take notice. And um, what I, what Steamer I meant— was, yeah, Steamer was a little bit less aggressive on the update— but Steamer was more positive going in. He had a 103 ISO going in and bumped that up to 110. So is still ahead of Zips. So Zips is sort of caught up to Steamer in uh, optimism there. So And even if the power isn't there for Zagura, keep in mind, in that big 2013 season, 44 stolen bases. So 30 might even be small. And, it, and okay, let's just say he doesn't quite hit this power projection with the, with the three he already has. He only gets five more, eight, eight bombs. But if he gets 40 stolen bases, 840, I'll take that over 1030, to be quite honest. I'll take the 40 stolen bases. So this could end up working out. It's 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 early there, but he is batting at the at the leadoff spot. And I do think even in, in our dislike for him, or at least not resounding uh, backing of him, I'll say dislike for me. I was not liking him at all. The one caveat that was there was at least he's batting leadoff, you know, cheap option. And for DFS to start the season uh, or a guy you can just get playing time from in an NL only. And so far, so good with Gene Segura. I'm going to name some guys. You tell me if you take them above, uh, if you take them uh, over Segura. Okay. Marcus Semien, Elvis Andrews, Ian Desmond. Um, no, yes, no. So you might take Elvis Andrews ahead just because. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Yes, no, yes. Then I, I meant, I meant Segura ahead of Andrews because I think that they're going to probably be the same-ish, and then the upside I think is going to be more with Segura. To be quite honest, 
Because okay. I like, but still, still Semyon, huh? Even though they're they're playing him ninth, and I, he's got that power and speed. It's only been a week. It's only been a week. I really don't want to completely jump off of a yeah, situation. Yeah, I'm just worried they've, they've been taking him out late, so he's gonna they're gonna they're taking away plate appearances. He still has had some sketchy throws too, so maybe the defense isn't as fixed as as we suggested. But and I'm the, gonna uh, stick to my gut. Losing plate appearances a little bit. Let, I, let's revisit I, I, in a week. What about I still you? like Semyon, but to me, Semyon was like a sort of 10 through 12, um, you know, more of a, a, a value in, in deeper leagues where um, you weren't necessarily trying to get the number one shortstop. You're, You're trying, to trying to get a high floor of solid yeah, play. Okay. That would give you a little bit of something all year. And in, in, in like a sort of a 12 to 15 team league, I think I would make the jump to Segura because um, – you know, more plate appearances. It's 140 plate appearances between first spot and the ninth spot. So that's a decent amount of plate appearances to give you runs in RBI, more stolen bases. And even if I think Simeon can go, you know, you know, something close to 18-18, that's 36 combined, where I think Simeon can go, you know, 30 and 12. So that's 42 combined. So, you know, maybe similar batting averages. In any case, you know uh, I, would, I would take Segura over but Desmond, I think, is a hard one. No, nah, Desmond, I'm sticking with Desmond. He's looked pretty bad, but, I mean, he's going to play. And Segura had a 66 yeah. WRC plus last year. He's looked plenty bad on his own, too. So. Right, right. I, you just figure the power will come around for Desmond. and I don't like that he's striking out you know, and, and missing a lot, but. He's kind thing. of a streaky guy that I think will get it going. Yeah, so I'm sticking. You, you convinced me on Semyon, and honestly, it's really more that batting uh, that batting slot uh, because first to eight, first to nine, yeah, that's, th- that's completely fair. And I'm gonna go ahead and, and and flip script on that and say yes, Segura, because I really do like even without Pollock, I still like that Diamondbacks offense. So if he's at the top of it, and I think that they'll give him a long leash, even if he does come back to earth quite a bit i still think arizona is going to stick with him as the leadoff guy so you, you sold me on segura there but i'm still taking um desmond over him so it's two yeses for segura and one no have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout that's why you need to try SeatGeek. they've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets Now, I mentioned a few times that in May, I'm going up to Detroit to check out my Tigers in Comerica Park, and I can guarantee you that my sister and I will be using SeatGeek to get some prime seats for those games. SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets anymore, whether I'm going to a game or a concert. I got the app on my phone, and I've been using it just kind of scout some things out, get, get a good feel for it before I purchase my tickets for May. And honestly, what SeatGeek has done is they've taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all available tickets on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your 20 buck rebate, though, all you got to do is go download the free SeatGeek app, 
go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SLEEPER. Let's move on to our next guy. This one's really interesting because we got really nothing for him. This is all we've seen out of Tyler White out in uh, Houston. He's absolutely crushing the ball. He got a little bit of buzz late. We talked about him on this show. Jason Collette took him in AL Tout. We, we, we've had him on the, on the radar a bit, but I don't think anybody saw this first week coming where he pops a 556 average, a 1758 OPS, three bombs, two doubles. That's uh, half of his hits, by the way. Those five extra base hits are half of his 10, nine ribbies. He's out of his mind. The one thing that they said is, well, this guy can hit and get on base, but he doesn't have any power. And so, of course, he comes out and hits three bombs. Uh, we'll play the name. I can't say name game. That, that belongs to Fantasy Focus. I freely admit that but we will do the same name situation you'll throw a few at me after we talk about him but what do you think of tyler white having this huge first week after he got some buzz for the astros just wanted to check really quickly who he's homered off of it's a nate eovaldi who's got the straight fastball who's a super sam sam freeman who's a lefty um so that was a, a good matchup for him and then willie peralta is bad that's fair. So uh, I'd say uh, one of those homers uh, w- is fairly impressive. Yeah. I'm not saying that no, – I mean, every home run in the major leagues is really impressive. I'm not, not oh, you hit, a, you hit a home run. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but what I'm saying is that, you know, you can still be suspicious of a right-hander that hits a bunch of homers off of bad left-handers. I mean, I think that's – that's uh, something you can say, especially since he's on a team that's full of platoon ability and, uh, and has done lots of platooning in the past. So I, I'm happy to see that there's two right-handers that he homered off of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm happy to see that he's starting fairly regularly. Uh, I'm happy to see that he didn't jump from like 15 to 16 strikeouts, uh, uh, 16% strikeouts to like 30% strikeouts. <laughs> just swinging out of his he's, Yeah, he's bar. not just like... I'm in the big leagues now. Watch me just swing, swing, swing. Uh, still has an above-average walk rate. It's not as otherworldly as it was in the minors and, and represents a little bit of upside there. Maybe he'll become a little bit more patient as pitchers figure out that, you know, that, that's sort of the dance that happens with a young guy. Everyone says, well, this is not a big prospect. I don't care. Uh, he looks like a – he looks kind of tubby. Uh, I'm going to just throw it, throw it in the zone until he tells me to do anything different. And I talked to Matt Duffy about that this week, and Matt Duffy said, yeah, you know, in the division, they know a little bit better. But when I leave the division, everyone is is throwing me as if I'm, you know, 120 soaking wet, which I am. I was going to say, they see the skinny guy, Matt Duffy, yeah. and they're like, look at this dork. I'm going to strike this. Is this the dork with the fat cat? I'm going to blow this guy away yeah. and then bomb yeah, city. Totally. He, he, he was totally all over that. He, he said, yeah, that's exactly what they, how they see me. But I made a living out of being better than what I look like. So. Um, you know, I think Tyler White has a little bit of that going on, um, where, you know, they might be, uh, giving him pitches in the zone. Look at the, uh, he's getting 51% pitches in the zone. The average is 47. Okay. So, you know, they are sort of just throwing it, filling up the zone. Sure. And that makes sense. But he does have the discipline when they start, you know, you know, tickling around the edges a little bit more, he's going to start taking those walks more. So... Uh, I mean, I, I like everything I see. I wish he was a left-hander just to get the platoon advantage more often. Mm-hmm, I agree. But the fact that he's got that nice home park and a 
you know, fairly long track record of decent power, I could take some of the overs on the on these power numbers. Um, you know, they haven't moved that much either. So they they uh, the let's see here the projections going into the season all had him at uh, one forty nine ish 130 to 149 of zips had 130 uh iso uh but uh steamer had 149 and uh now zips is all the way up to 146 giving him league average power and steamer has pushed it up to 157 i'm 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 a little bit more excited about him than that i i will give him sort of like a 170 type iso which i think over the full course of a season i i think he might keep aj reed down that's the big risk i think is that AJ Reed just knocks the cover off the ball, and can Tyler White, you know, play he, third base reliably? Yeah, that I, that's what I was going to mention next was the fact that he's actually third base eligibility. Uh, so when you give me some names, hit me with some third basemen because at first base, even with this big power surge right away, he's just not going to be that alluring of an option in a lot of leagues. So uh, when we're talking about so Tyler I, White, hit me with some yeah. third basemen. I'll throw the risk in there and give him. Uh, 275 batting average and 14 to 15 homers, like 15 homers. This is I'm doing back of the pencil, you know, back to the cocktail napkin stuff here. 275, 15 homers. Okay. It's not a full season because AJ Reed and regression they 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 they're they risk. exist. Yes, they exist. Yeah. So um, that's decent. Um, you know, a little bit of upside beyond that. Uh, the names, uh, the would you rather's, um, which is a nice. Nice version of the Mary <clears throat> kill. <laughs> uh, the Would You Rathers are. Um, hey, let's throw in Matt Duffy. I was. I knew you were going to do it. I was like, Is he going to say it? I mean, come on, we yeah. were just talking about him. <laughs> All right, Matt Duffy. I'm going to climb the ladder a little bit. Matt Duffy, David Wright, Josh Harrison. Well, Josh Harrison's second base eligible, and everyone's going to point that out. Uh, all right, I'm going to reach all the way up to Mike Mustakis. Mike Mustakis. Uh, I think that Duffy. might be. Obvious, I guess. But David Wright, Matt Duffy. That that's uh, the one. That's the one. That's because the other two, I, I do take the other guy. I, I like what White's doing, but I just take the other other guy for sure. With Mustakis, he's somebody I think is going to have a big year this year. And I do like Duffy and the fact that Duffy has a little bit of speed too. So I think he's got a little bit more of the all around game. But with David Wright, he hasn't looked good so far. And some of it's been in the field, but some of it's been at the plate. And I just worry about the spinal stenosis. I think that there's every reason to to worry about it we already know that his games now you mentioned that tyler white probably not going to get a full sample just because of regression or aj reed or both uh david wright isn't either though guarantee max 130 games that's max that's if everything goes properly for him it, i don't think it's going to go like that so i think we're looking at more of yeah, a he's, he's definitely a he's just a nightmare to, to own because he just doesn't play every day, and you just don't you don't really know when it is. Exactly. So right. I'm I'm gonna go with White there. I'm gonna take that upside. It's tough to go against David Wright. He's that got that name, and if you ever owned, had him on your team in the past when he was a superstar, it's lingering in the back of your mind. But guess what? Those numbers aren't gonna do for you. Are gonna do for you this year? Jack crap. Not gonna do a darn thing. <laughs> David Wright's past. And the actually- depth chart's giving him 517 plate appearances. I mean, it just. It's a little bit aggressive. It almost feels like I agree. I agree. So for me, Tyler White, I the point that you make that I really like is that, yes, they are going to stop throwing him in the zone as much eventually, but he can spit on a lot of it. That was this big calling card coming up was that this guy's an OBP machine. So if he can hunt those pitches that are good, 
this this could be a little something here. So I'm getting a little bit excited about Tyler White. I threw him into my lineup in a mixed league this week um, over Byung-ho Park, actually. So that might be overreacting, but both have tiny samples. Uh-huh. So I just, let's let's say let's say we both agree on White, and then let's uh, let's let's tackle Matt Duffy because you mentioned the speed, and and Matt Duffy said he spent a lot of the offseason on working on speed work. So he hasn't stolen base yet, but you know we're a weekend. Uh, and in order to get to a 10 to 12 thing, you know, he only has to steal a couple, couple of months. months. So, um, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna give him the 10 stolen bases, and I'll give him uh, 10 homers just because he he my piece from last week said he is 10th in the league in in hitting balls in the ideal launch angle. Wow. So you know he he's really actually and when I talked to him about this, this is gonna be a piece coming up soon, but. I talked to him about this, and I basically said, are there two Matt Duffys? And I don't mean the other guy. I was going to say, he's like, <laughs> yeah, why are you asking me about the Houston guy? Come yeah. on, man. Well, that's – that's I probably just uh, – I, I just let everyone know what my title will be. But um, uh, any, in any case, uh, I talked to him about, are there two swings? And he's like, I think you're onto something there. And basically what he said was that coming up in high school, he was a big pull hitter. Nobody had a, a breaking ball. In uh, college, everyone said, you are – you know, a hundred, hundred pounds, you need to spray the ball. If you're going to do anything, you need to just put the, put the ball over the field and, and be a bat, batting average guy. So he became a, a, a guy that hit everything down the opposite field line. It was like everything. Uh, and then when he got to the big leagues, uh, he's, or to the minor leagues in, 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 um, in San Francisco, the guy, the, the roving instructor, whose name fails me now said the roving hitting instructor said, you know, as much as we have a, a San Francisco Giants philosophy, because on this list of ideal launch angles, there were five Giants, including Buster Posey, uh, Angel Pagan, Matt Duffy, uh, Brandon Crawford, and Brandon Belt. Wow. And, you know, three or four of those guys were homegrown. And so I said, what's the, what's the organizational philosophy? What are they teaching you? And he basically said something that if you watch Buster Posey hit, and you know he does this all the time, is go and get that fastball. Go and get that fastball out in front of the plate. So if you if you find that fastball, if you find that ball you want, be aggressive. You know, turn that switch early and be out there and, and get out there uh, and be and and get that ball out in front of the plate. So basically, there's two Matt Duffy's. There's a strong sort of two strike approach, Matt Duffy, where if he sees that they're being a little finicky with him and they're pitching him around the edges of the zone, then he's just going to try and shut it down and make contact, take the walk and spray the ball and basically just protect right mm-hmm. but if he sees if he sees they're coming to the middle of zone and they don't respect him then he can turn on the, the home run swing and 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 hit those balls in the ideal launch angle so i think he's basically a guy who who hits who's normally hitting balls in the line drive launch angle which is sort of 10 to 20 but then he can turn it on and and raise that swing a little bit uh, and get it to 25 to 30 which is the home run angle so any case, uh, I, I'll t- I'll give him 15 homers and 10 stolen bases, which is 25 together, and that's more than Tyler White. But um, so I think I, I'm going to stick with Duffy. It is a little weird because they look so different, and if you smush them together, you'd have you know you could, and average them out, you'd have one average human being. So you know it's a little uh, it's a little weird that these guys might end up having very similar value. But I don't see very much risk with Matt Duffy at all. So I like the high floor. So the deeper my league, the more likely I like Matt Duffy. The shallower my league, maybe I, I start saying, well, Matt Duffy 
I mean, um, yeah, Matt Duffy. Uh, Tyler White could hit 280 with 20 bombs, you know. Sure. And a lot of runs in RBI in that lineup and, and, well, and a lot of walks. So. Counterpoint. What if what if Matt Duffy finds that that 20 SB capability that he had in Double A and then a split season between A and High A? There is a little, little bit of upside, and that make, this makes it really difficult for me. Like I said, though, the deeper the league, the more likely I take Duffy. The shallower the league, the the more I think about White. But if you if you're pushing me on on an answer, I'm going to take Matt Duffy. Okay, I think that that's completely fair. You know what? This next guy could honestly get into this the same discussion here because um, now he does have a little bit of an advantage because he's shortstop eligible, but he's playing third base this year. That's why I kind of said that. But Eugenio Suarez for the Cincinnati Reds is out of his mind. He had a nice little campaign with them last year, only played 97 games, but popped 13 bombs, stole four bases, and hit 280 in that heist of a deal, which did not take hindsight to know that the Tigers gave way too much when they gave him for Alfredo Simon for crying out loud again red's got simon back <laughs> and that's that's the i was gonna say that the worst part is that he's back over there and he'll probably f- recapture the the quality that he had with them and that would just send me up the wall so hard it'd be so bad if that happened please don't let that happen for my heart but uh eugenio suarez you know was a decent prospect for the tigers looked like he was going to become a capable player utility man type Outdid that last year, but it was 97 games. So far, though, six games in, he's raking. Uh, 435 average, 1457 OPS, four bombs, as I mentioned. It looks really good so far. One thing I love is that the playing time should just be there. This is a 24-year-old. That team is going nowhere. They don't really have any reason not to just set, set it and forget it with him because I'm not even sure that there's a third-base prospect who's chasing him down. What do you think of Eugenio Suarez batting in that two-hole? They might finally have a solution in that two-hole ahead of Joey Votto. What do you think? Yeah, you know, he's he's had some decent walk rates in the minors. You know, he's not he's not been a four five percent walk rate guy. He's been more eight nine ten. And so he came worst up, deal. He do, he doesn't usually get smoked. He got killed on that deal. Yeah, well, you know, he did end up. He is now actually playing third base. So. There might have been a bit of a tweener uh, problem. Definitely was, and they had Iglesias. Um, they got Kins. You know, they're, they're, those three positions were set when you're talking about Kinsler, Iglesias, and Castellanos, at least in the short term. You know, Kinsler's yeah, obviously you know, getting you've up. Gotta, you got you, you can't think too much about what's going on in the major league level, and and you sh- you got to try and see these guys for what they are. And then on top of the fact, you know, Nick Castellanos has been a, a below replacement guy. As much as we as we liked him, you know, so off to a hot start though. You gotta you gotta check yourself a little bit if as a GM and, and and think like, okay, well, what if Cassianos isn't as good as I thought? It would be really good to have Suarez here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he, that was probably one of his worst deals. But what is he? What he's in Boston seeing, now. What we're seeing, what we're seeing out of Suarez, I think, is a little bit of more of that patience. Uh, again, the per pitch stuff uh, is in about a hundred pitches. His is not as drastic as Segura's, but he's definitely uh, swinging less than he ever has and reaching less than he ever has, which is going to give him that nice swinging strike rate that he's got right now. So, you know, he could strike out like 20% on the year. I don't think he's you – know, 4%, what's going on now, it's just so out of touch with <laughs> yeah. what he's done before. So he I think struck out 24%. Point. Sorry to cut you off there. He struck out 24% in 2015. And as you mentioned, so far it's been 4% for Suarez on the strikeouts. He's only got one in his uh, 26 plate appearances. So that's going to go up, so especially with the power. And then so where White, you know, has this established track record of 
okay, when they go the other way, he is going to definitely, when they start nibbling more, he's going to walk more. I think that Suarez will be more aggressive and strike out more, and you'll see that walk rate tumble a little bit. So, you know, there's going to be worse times in the future for Suarez. Yeah, and I think there might, even, there might even be times when, you know, that are so bad that people drop him. And, um, you know, I think that he might then be a, a pickup, you know. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a wild and rocky ride with him. At the end of the year, you'll look up and he'll have about an average walk rate, an average strikeout rate, and above average power from the shortstop position with a few stolen bases. So that's the kind of Johnny Peralta package that, you know, we had for so long. Good and good name. Good comp. And we, did, and we didn't value it. But No, uh, we didn't. We, we took it for granted <laughs> and pretended like he was terrible because I think his, for some reason I think his defense seemed to influence folks too. Even even in times when he was like with Cleveland, it's like they're not going to replace him with any. They don't have anybody to replace him with. And then even with the Tigers, I'm like, well, he sucks at defense. Okay, I mean – it's not meaningless to say that about a shortstop, but first off, I think it was overstated. Having watched him in Detroit, I was like, okay, he can make a lot of play. He has no range. There's no range, and I, I totally get that, especially now Jeez, watching that is the Peralta package, though. Jose Iglesias. But um, I, I like the name with Suarez. I want to move on to another middle infielder. We're kind of shifting around here. We're going third base, shortstop, second base, at least in terms of eligibility. Scooter Jeanette was somebody that we got to talk about a little bit um, on our opening day podcast when he hit a bomb, his first lefty bomb off of Madison Bumgarner. And so obviously the focus was Bumgarner, but we gave, gave Jeanette some ups for that really nice, really nice uh, start there to get, to get a, get one on the board against the lefty and have it be Bumgarner. Well, he's popped two more homers, both against righties, but he's just been great so far. Again, you know, we're, we're not, saying that he's going to be this power stud anymore. He had nine nine homers in 2014, not saying that he's ready to break out and be some 20-homer guy. But I do like what I'm seeing out of Jeanette because last year, and I mentioned this during that podcast, when he got back on his recall, he went back to being the solid player that he was in 2014, you know, a, a, a good few ticks above average, like a 107 to 110-ish WRC+. plus. So not not a super stud but solid. And so he's kind of that deep league second baseman that you just plug in or that middle that you're just like, okay, this is going to be solid. Where do you stand on Scooter Jeanette right now um, after a week? Here's that second half split for you. 280 average, 308 OBP, 380 slugging. So still uh, pretty powerless. Yeah, still not, not a lot of punch. And uh, I think that's the I think that's the mirage here a little bit is I, we've seen him do this where he had you know three or four home runs in a in a little in a little stint and then went back to you know no power. So I, I think that um, he's a little bit of an empty batting average guy, okay. uh, and that he's you know, not going to churn out too many runs to kind of make it. Yeah, it's better. like a low rent Joe Panic. It's like you know Joe Panic is kind of borderline already as it is but because he's on the giants and they're going to have a juggernaut offense you know that's a, it's, that's uh, a great perfect perfect comp there yeah it, it's not perfect in that panic probably has more uh patience I, I just meant in the statistical yeah the sort of the fantasy comp yes yeah, yes the right, fantasy so. not necessarily their games i actually think joe panic is, is a really good player who's got more upside but when you're looking at that statistical profile you're talking poor man's Joe Panic, a, a, a solid batting average, but not too much else because of his team context, whereas Panic's on a great team. And then to your point about Jeanette, where we've kind of seen this before, June 2014, when he was really breaking out, had three bombs in eight games. 
So had that nice little streak there in June in the midst of his best run, which was a 69, really nice game, uh, 69 games, 834 OPS, and we've never really seen him reach those heights again. So I agree with you. A lot of it is a mirage from the power standpoint, but are you buying that he's going to give you that solid 280 again, uh, or maybe even higher as opposed to the 264 that we saw last year? Yeah, I believe in that. I think he's a, I think he's a pretty good hitter, actually. I think, um, and I think he's going to do a little bit of the Matt Duffy. I think that's that's what's happening here is that you know people see him and and attack and, him. What what, yeah, what was the exactly. phrase? Be be better than you look. I like I like that. Yeah, Just do so, that in life. Be better than you look like. Yeah, I mean, uh, and you know, the, yeah, the Brewers are because Aaron Hill is old and bad. <laughs> and uh, Colin Walsh is older than you think, and and Rule Five, so not that good. Five, so not that good either. Yadiel Rivera makes you think that he's like you know a, a Cuban signing, which he might be, but doesn't mean he's good. Um, and um, you know he they they've given him some chances and it hasn't done much. Jo- I think Jonathan VR and Scooter Jeanette are going to be the guys that come out of this scrum this year, and um, and you know, have value going forward in case you're thinking keeper league or whatever, but that doesn't mean that they'll have the same value going forward. I think they'll establish themselves as having major league value, but on a good brewers team, they're backups, you know, yes. that, I think that could easily happen where they, you know, one or, or both of them get sort of marginalized as the team gets better. Okay. But I think they'll be around for a while and that's good deep league value. or just guys who will stick at the position. What may happen is VR goes to third when Arcia comes up, you know, because Aaron Hill is just—I mean, it, it doesn't—it ain't working anymore for Aaron Hill. I think—I th- think—I think your point is is apt there for sure. With Jeanette, I'm not sure we need to go through too many names. Like, it, it, it's just a situation where we're not buying in the pop, so he just kind of is what he is. Nothing really changes, even with the with the really good week here. Whereas some of these other guys, I think we are seeing a little bit of evolution, or at least things to watch for. So I'm just going to jump into the next guy because and actually the next guy we we're talking about. Um, about this sort of empty batting average, and the next guy, in a way, was the patron saint of that. Used to be that Starling Castro used to just kind of give you a, a, a little bit of uh, a batting average and not too much. That's what his 2014 rebirth was. I mean, he 14 bombs, but wasn't that special. 292 average, and he'd lost the speed, and that's been the component in Starling Castro's game that's now been gone for three years. But he's off to a hot start with his new club. Yankee Stadium could suit him well this year. 450 average, 1326 OPS, a couple of bombs, a couple of doubles, eight ribbies, still no stolen bases. Again, not sure that that speed's necessarily going to come back. But at 26, could we finally see something of a power breakout from Starling Castro? Because I tried to predict it last year, or predict it last year, and uh, didn't come to fruition. I've mentioned it on the podcast a million times. I'm chronically a year early, so please don't be surprised if the year that I'm not telling you to get him in every single league is the year that he finally pops 20 bombs. What do you think? Starling Castro. Yes, I think this really could be the year. It's a nice park. You know, the book isn't going to be out as much on him, um, you know, going into the season. The and shift, yes. That's, that's he's key. Doing this, he's doing that same thing that the, the good guys so far have been doing, which is just not reaching, you know, career best reach rate and um, career best, career low swing rate. So, you know, those are things that the thing is, though, they, those are things that the Cubs were trying to get him to do for a long time. That's so, true. They knew they knew the issues with starting Castro. And given that, the established track record, I, I'm not going to read too much into that. That's why he got a little bit of the bad attitude 
tag. Yeah, yeah. And but we know that's not a real bad attitude because then he flipped that on his head and you know took to second base and just worked hard and got back in there. Exactly. So. I, no, I, I love Stern Castro. Like I said, he got that rap. I didn't think that he necessarily deserved it. A little bit aloof at times. You know, they 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 do the MLB highlights where he's like his back is turned when the pitch is coming and had a few goofy things like that, but. By and large, he didn't strike me as somebody who was some sort of clubhouse cancer that you needed to get rid of. And and the Cubs didn't just dump him. They got Adam Moore, and that was a win-win deal for both clubs, I think. Yeah, and, um, you know, I'll take the under on all of his stolen base projections. <laughs> yeah, eight, six, and seven. It, and it, it's just not there. He's been, he's been uh, one for two on stolen bases, you know, basically, you know, getting caught as much as he's Yeah, nine for off. 18. Nine for 18. So, so I think uh, the Yankees will say, put that in your back pocket and uh, steal it when it's like super obvious that they're not paying attention. So, um, you know, 275, another 14 homers. He's going to end up the year, uh, you know, 270. He's going to he's gonna be close to 20 homers. He's, I, I think. And, and I thought this was coming for so long that it's it's really upsetting, actually, in a way. Well, yeah, because of all the wasted investments, including like every team I had last year. But at least this year... I stayed invested. I still got him in a bunch of leagues. So at least if it does come this year, I'm going to get it on the cheap. Last year, years before, I was paying for Starling Castro. He was expensive last year, still like a fourth or fifth rounder because he was coming off of the 2014 rebirth when he hit 292 with 14 bombs in 134 games. And, you know, you start extrapolating, which is a bad idea. That's why we say don't do it. And then all of a sudden, that's what happened. Uh, why don't you hit me with a few, you know, you can do second or third or second or short. With, with with some names for let's go short Sterling just because that's what people are going to be you know they're using be him. him there more yeah absolutely yeah and um, don't even say his... Gene Segura don't even waste my time uh, well actually I'm gonna I'm gonna go Jungle Gong on you because I think they've actually got a similar I think they're really similar yeah uh, yep, yep. yeah I think Jungle Gong and him are really similar I won't bother I guess with Ian Desmond and then if I go above that you're just gonna say no I mean he's not gonna you're not gonna pick Corey Seager over him. But You're not uh, let's take him over Corey Seager, you mean? I don't think so. No, no, yeah. you, you said it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said it the reverse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't think that Seager, Lindor, Tulowitzki, Bogarts, Korea. There's no, there's no debating there. So we had Castro at nine. So he's actually not jumping that much. So I guess the question is Elvis Andrews and he has in Desmond. I'm willing to to give him uh, some bank. I mean, I know hot streaks don't exist. I'm not really saying they exist. I'm saying that. Maybe he's going to take to his new position better than Ian Desmond will, you know. And Do they not exist, or are they not predictive? They're not predictive, right? 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 They exist. I mean, they, people do that. But you have no idea when it's going. Like, <laughs> when it's going to stop? He can and... be on a twenty gamer that's just tearing the cover off the ball, and then go over his next five games like but, that. But you know, for me, true talent for him, uh, you know, full season something like two eighty, two eighty five with eighteen homers and three or four stolen bases. So that's twenty two and two eighty. And for Ian Desmond, I'm going to give him a lower batting average, but more counting stats. So maybe like 30 to 35 the two uh, combined homers. or 240. How, yeah, low, how low are you going on the average is the key all there. De- all depends on the average. But, um, you know, it's harder to, to, to work your way out of a, a batting average hole, I think, than it is to try and find some, some counting stats. Totally so agree I'm there. 
I'm going to take Stalin Castro over Ian Desmond. I, I am as well. Let me, let me actually hit you with some names then. I, I like the names that you gave. Who would you say in addition? You said Desmond, and I'm going to take Castro as well. Jung Ho Gong, that's that's a tough one. I'm going to go Castro. The health is enough of a de- decider for me because Thanks. we don't know what, what Gung's going to come back as. And I love Jung Ho Gong. I kept him in a league. I drafted him in, in another league, even obviously knowing the injury. But I'm going to stick with Castro there. Let me hit you with... Uh, what about the aforementioned but not thoroughly discussed Trevor Story and Brandon Crawford added to the mix? What do you think about those two versus Starling Castro? You know, the funniest thing is that I had like three shares of Trevor Story in keeper leagues coming into the season. And you just like said, nah, didn't keep it. No, I kept them all. Oh, okay, great, great. And now I look like a genius, but... I was like, this isn't going to work out. You know, out. I, I'm going to delete this part of the podcast for you. You are a damn... <laughs> hang on, we're starting out three, two, one. Eno, you made one of the most genius moves of the offseason. You kept Trevor's they story at three of your weeks. Because people... I mean, people saw this coming in a way. I mean, in the very least, they saw coming that, you know, a shortstop in course was worth, you know, investing in. It could be so. a, like a 15-15. Like, yeah, there are people out there who do deserve their due they were in on this not at this level obviously but they're saying 15 15 the batting average could be protected by coors yeah i held my nose i had a five dollar share of trevor story and uh, autonia which felt really aggressive because you don't really want to keep prospects past five dollars and uh and i just thought well this is the year and if he doesn't work out then i at least get two dollars to to go shopping with uh on the waiver wire so you know and then the other leagues, they were free players, you know, where it's like uh, you get yeah, you two keep or- your minor league taxi squad. It's just like, you know, why not hold on to him? But I'm not saying that I, I saw this coming. Any case, um, you know, I think the power has shown enough that we can. He's also striking out a lot and he will strike out a lot. That's Story's game. But so. that's where I think Coors comes in and kind of protects the batting average a little bit. Even though, because, you know, you take a 29% strikeout rate for a normal guy in a normal average park, and you're probably yeah. looking at something in the 230s, 240s. But maybe in Coors, it protects him with a few extra stolen hits to where he's more of a 250, 260 area. And if you're doing that with 15-15, even with all the strikeouts, and again, 15-15 now feels light because of this amazing start. Right. That that one, I, I think I... I Man, I think I got to go with Story, even though I'm a huge Castro guy. What do you What do you think? Yeah, because uh, at 250, and even the the most conservative projection has him with 23 more uh, uh, home runs plus stolen bases. Um, and Castro, total. yeah, for Castro, uh, you're not gonna you're gonna get even if you get the 20 home runs, you're not gonna get stolen bases. So you're gonna be 10. You're probably gonna be 10 home runs plus stolen bases short of a of a sober Trevor Story projection. Yes, and uh, I think I think ten points is worth like thirty points in batting average, ten home runs and stolen bases. Okay, um, so then he so, easily, easily eclipses that, even if Castro gets to the two eighty stretch that we're that we want to give him. I think so, it, it, and 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 that is being sober about Trevor Story. So you have to admit then. And, and being sort of excited about Castro, right? I mean, we, we just gave Castro 20 home runs, which he never done. So, mm-hmm. you know, so being excited about Castro and so about story, we still have story a, a nudge ahead. And so then if you're at all excited about story, which you got to be in some way, 
then um, then you take story over Castro. Yeah. Okay. I, I, just some people are, are listening to us like you guys are crazy. Of course you take story over Castro, but I think you have to think these things through. I mean, because thirty percent strikeout rate. Let me just let me just do a, a quick thing here. Okay, right now Trevor Story has a twenty nine percent strikeout rate, which you know people. You know, Dave Cameron did mention this. Also, bad walk rate, and and Cameron mentioned that you know strikeout minus walk rate. There's very few people that have sort of 20 plus percent strikeout minus walk rate on the hitting side that are good. Uh, I'm just going to do a quick one just with strikeout rate. Okay. Uh, a leaderboard of strikeout rate last year. Here are the guys that had more strikeouts last year than Trevor Story: Chris Davis, Michael Taylor, Chris Bryant, Ian Desmond, Jock Peterson, and Addison Russell. Now, the, the good thing that's going well for Trevor Story is that a lot of these guys are up-the-middle defenders, right? Mm-hmm. And that's going to give you a chance to stay in, in the lineup with bad strikeout rules. So Michael Taylor in in, in the corner field is, is not in baseball. No, but you know? since he's a center no. fielder who can play center field pretty dang well, um, yeah. he, so that, he can that stay. Helps him, that helps him stick around. He doesn't have the ISO of, a, of, a, of Trevor Story, so he's not really in the discussion. Chris Bryant, I think, way more established pedigree and and power and you know just and, and, he's more in the you know Chris Davis part. But I think Ian Desmond is an interesting guy. Yes, Ian Desmond when he was younger had more power, kind of toolsy. People asked about the shortstop bit. Jock Peterson, I think, is also someone that deserves to be discussed here because Jock Peterson came and was on fire. For the first half, it, it, it's and, the one comp that that I've heard thrown out uh, for story that that really fits for me in terms of if you're trying to think about how it can go sideways, just remember Jock Peterson. Remember, yeah, a 197 batting average with eight home runs. And it was because he struck out. He strikes out so much. Now, Peterson didn't run last year, and I think Story will run a little bit. But again, we we we've talked about this. The guys that ran in the minors don't always run immediately. They don't always yeah. get get off the ground right away. So if he doesn't take, run, might take the under on some of these stone base projections. But you know, uh, if 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 Story does do that, I might I'm I'm buying Jock Peterson now, and I would and I would buy Story after that. You know, but I I'm, I'm not buying Story now. We talked about this enough. We don't need to yeah talk yeah about yeah. It. We, we, we're moving on from Story. What about Crawford? Last name we'll get, and then we'll get to our last guy. I'll t- I'll take um, I'll take Story over Crawford. No, no, Castro v. Crawford. Castro v. Crawford. They're kind of similar in that. I, I believe punch. I believe Randy Crawford's new approach with respect with respect to power. I believe that I he do can. Too. I think he can hit uh, eighteen to twenty homers. He picked up right where he left off. I, I you know so if you're talking about a guy who I think is going to have you see the problem is. He's going to have the same kind of power, the same kind of steals. Runs and RBI seem like they're going to be about the same because they're both really good teams for scoring runs. So then you're all about batting average. But Crawford's reached the 20 threshold. We're, we're putting the threshold, that 20, yeah. on Castro. Crawford's yeah, but he only did it once. He only did it once. So. One more time than Castro. I'll take, I'll take Castro. No, I, I, I like Castro, so I was just playing devil's advocate there. That's my guy. Those two are very close, Crawford and Castro. They're really, really close, I think. But I'm, I'm leaning uh, Castro as well. By the way, Stephen Matt's getting absolutely obliterated. And his night is capped off after 59 pitches. 
in one and two thirds with a Mike uh, Mike Stan Giancarlo Stanton home run to make it seven nothing. That is brutal. That's the guy that a lot of you took as the thirtieth starter overall. And I know it's just one start, but that was stupid even before that start. Anyway, <laughs> I'm jumping off the soapbox here, and we're gonna finish with our last guy. Now this guy might not feel like he fits as much. A lot of these the other guys that we talked about, the first five are a little bit more out of nowhere, I guess, or. or I don't know. Uh, the next guy is Gregory Polanco. I think he has a little bit more hype coming in. People were expecting a breakout. So this one, it might jump out like, oh, why'd you include him? So I wanted to include him because he's, he's just on fire and he's doing some interesting things. Gregory Polanco striking out less, walking a ton. And I got a 313 average here and a 1038 OPS. That's without today, which uh, he cut up my Tigers a little bit as well. So Gregory Polanco is somebody that we talked about. In the offseason, I think multiple times we really liked him, if I recall. I know I did, and I think that you were right there with me in saying that we were Polanco fans. Goes three for five today, by the way, with a, with a double, I think two doubles. So big, big day for him. Just on fire right now, has shown the speed already, has shown flashes of some punch. I think that's kind of the key, though, to his seasons. Can he can he take the punch, the, the power up a level, which interestingly is the case that we're talking about with a lot of these guys. Do they have the power to kind of be something more than what we perceive them to be? Now, where he differs, where Polanco differs, is he doesn't have a home run yet, and he's only got one stolen base. He's one for two. So his is more the rates, both uh, the triple slash, but also the walk rate. He's got a 33% walk rate right now and a 15% strikeout rate. What do you think of early season Gregory Polanco with this with this kind of interesting new approach? It's what we wanted from him all along. And I I saw, when I talked to him about it and you know I know the team was was talking to him about it especially against lefties that he needed to spit on more pitches and he really needed to lay off the pitch, you know, loan away. And, um, you know, that was going to be the key to his, to his breakout. And, you know, like you said, we've been, we've been beating this drum for a while. So, uh, you know, kudos to you to listen for listening to us, I guess. <laughs> yes. Cause you were, you would have been, you'd have been in on, on Gregory Polanco and you're getting this interesting new version so far. What do you think the power is going to be like this year? Cause again, that's the key. We haven't seen any, any punch yet outside of the doubles. You got three of them and a triple. So it's not zero power. It's just no home run power yet. Do you think he's a guy who can get yeah, nine last year, full season, 652 plate appearances. Can he tack on five more? Can we go, can we go to 14, 15 with the 20 plus stolen bases? It's a sweet swing. He's an athletic guy. He had above average ISOs everywhere since rookie ball. I'll give him an average ISO. <clears throat> and that's, that's more than the projections are giving him. So that's a 150 ISO. Projections are giving him 137, and to me that's um, 15 to 18 homers, and uh, all the projections are 11 to 13. So I'm taking the over on the power. The like power is also going to move that batting average some. So you're talking about a 265, 270 type hitter. Uh, I know he hasn't really done that yet, but we're seeing improved contact, improved power, and we're talking about a 24 year old with pedigree, who's made some adjustments and is making another adjustment. So, I mean, I really do think this is going to be a great year for Gregory Flanco. I think he's going to – I think he's, you know, he's banked some some hits already. I think he's going to finish the year 270, 275, 
you know, 16, 17 homers, 25 stolen bases. Oh, that's so it's sexy. Like a low-rent Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman is being sat against lefties. And, you know, I don't think he has a real risk of being traded out of there. He's going to be behind cargo. But, you know, just with that, you know, if he does have an injury and it happens to be during a homestand, then you're losing home games, and he's definitely a better home player. So it's like um, you say low-rent Charlie Blackman. Is it basically Charlie Blackman not with the Coors protection to boost the average up to 288 and 287? Yeah, you know, I think that's uh, I think that's a bit it. Like Charlie Blackman outside of, of Coors maybe. So, um, yeah, I think that it, they, they get there in a little different ways. Sure. Because Charlie Blackman never really had the pedigree. And yeah, he's, he's a late had bloomer. To do a ton of speed work to get as fast as he is. And he's had to do a ton of studying to get as fast as he is. Whereas I think Polanco's a little bit more naturally there and has had to. But I'll take the guy with natural tools over the guy that had to work so hard to get there. 100%. You know, because I can, because I, you know, knowing what I do from talking to Polanco, I don't think he's a hardhead. I don't think he's a guy. I think he's trying hard and he's he's willing to put that work in himself. So Six I think years we're younger see, too. Uh, yeah, exactly. And that's always a good way to break a tie is take the younger guy. So I I've, I've, I tried to get as many shares of Polanco as I could this offseason. There were a lot of people who have been listening to me, so I only got a couple. But um, <laughs> they you know, like, They're sending you it. clips of the podcast of you talking him up. When they say no to the trade, they're like, no. And then the link to the podcast where you're like, I literally, love Gregory Polanco this year. Literally, someone offered me Brandon Finnegan for um, renting Billy Hamilton for a while and took quotes from my most recent <laughs> chat and said, well, I thought you guys might be interested in Finnegan because, you know, your co-owner said this. And I was like, that's, yeah, I'd say that. That's hilarious. What do you no, think? Well, my, big, my big, so I, I'm not going to pat myself on the back of a story, but I did trade um, – uh, fourth round Greg, uh, fourth round Charlie Blackman for um, 23rd round Gregory Polanco and 24th round Michael Conforto. Oh, that is sexy, dude. And I felt pretty good about that because, you know, my 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 fifth keeper was going to be like Brian McCann in the 20th round. I just wasn't excited about that. Yeah, nor should and, you. Uh, <clears throat> right. I mean, it, it would have been useful, but not not something to build around. And this way, I got. Two building blocks for a guy that was already kind of high up there. So I've I've co-opted the game from you. You were the one giving the names initially, but I want to give them this time uh, right. for Gregory Polanco here. Jason Hayward, Adam Jones in a batting average league. Yes, yes, we're talking batting average league for sure. Jason Hayward, Adam Jones, and I mean once we start, I mean we get too much higher. We're talking some pretty good studs here, but I'll go with I'll do it. I'm gonna say it, Carlos Gomez. Ah, Hayward. You know, Hayward's Hayward's not going to have the same counting stats. Probably not, because he's more of a a low twenties SBs, and Polanco's upper twenties, and I think there's even the potential to to pop that and and get into the thirties, which puts a lot less burden on the home runs to develop, because you know. Uh, we saw nine from Polanco last year. Doesn't have to take a huge gain, even if he's just with the with the steamer and he gets he gets thirteen. But you you pair that with twenty eight stolen bases. Well, that's better than the the, the thirteen and twenty three that we saw from from Hayward last year. And Hayward had a pretty damn good year last year. Yeah, yeah, and you know Hayward has never well, since two thousand twelve. He hasn't had um more, he hasn't had forty combined homers and steals. No. And, and not even particularly a sober, close. 
even a sober Polanco one has him at 35 within a shot of 40. And 35 uh, would be better than Hayward in all but last year. And then you're talking about batting average. Yeah, he had a 293 batting average with the Cardinals last year, but he's 267 for his career, which seems, uh, and then the projections are 275. So it's real close. Um, I may want to play that game where I trade you Hayward for Polanco and an upgrade. Exactly. That, I was going to uh, mention that. Uh, you I'm, think you're doing a two-for-one and getting the best player while I think I'm getting a one-for-one one with a free player. Exactly. Exactly. And I was actually going to mention that with somebody like Gomez, where I, I love Gomez, so I'm definitely not trying to sell out of him, but I would be getting Polanco and thinking, okay, great, they're also going to chip in a closer, you know, a, a, a middle, yeah, middle or back-end closer or a decent starter. Oh, hell yeah. So... Yeah, what Carlos is Gomez has now uh, played six games and tried to steal once and gotten caught. Oof. And that does not bode well for, for his stolen base total, given what we know about his health and his 30, 30 years on this planet. Uh, he's no lock. I mean, his projections don't even have him past 35. He's basically in the same sort of 35 uh, homers plus steals category. So same and same situation then where, where you're... Probably a, more of a batting average risk. You're doing that Honestly, too far. I hate to be a fanboy and get too far up my own butt, but I'll take Polanco over both of them, and I just wish I'd done that earlier or, or waited on. I have I have a share of of Hayward. I have a share of Gomez, but it was I got backed into a corner. There was just he was the best guy, and I had to take him in our AL only score sheet. It was just like. He's oh there. yeah, that's because yeah, because of where your pick was, and it was the day that we blasted him, or you blasted. I know, and I had you to had gone it. in on on him a little bit, saying, "I don't know, this is not going to maybe necessarily be quite as good as you think, Paul." <laughs> and and then hours later, you had to take him. I was like, "You got stuck with Gomez, dude," and you're yeah. like, "Yeah, I mean, I got stuck with him, quote unquote, because it's still not that bad to be stuck with him, particularly in the score sheet league where his defense can play." But uh, right, what about but, Adam Jones then? Adam Jones, so. Adam Jones, you know, he, healthy. Uh, he yeah, played, let's, let's he assume played. that the, he's only played two games. Let's assume. I mean, what was the deal back? I think a back or an oblique. Okay. I'll I'll, t- I'll, I'll look at it. What well, you know, I'm going to assume a modicum of health because obviously, if he's going to miss any chunk of time, it's going to tip that scale over to Polanco pretty damn easily. So, just for the sake of this hypothetical, let's assume that this is a small thing that he kind of gets over, and Adam Jones is not getting blessed. Rib cage, rib cage injury that's kept him out for a good number of games. I wonder if the cold is 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 playing a, a big role there as well, keeping him from being able to loosen up, or or maybe I'm just making things up. I'm I'm kind of yeah. guessing there. Well, only 30 combined homers and steals. So basically, if you if you take Jones, you're 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 you need the counting uh, numbers at that point. And your power and your power focused. Yes. I mean, it's, it's like almost the opposite of Polanco, where you're going to get 25 homers and you're hoping for 10 steals um, and a 275 batting average. Where with Polanco, you're going to get you know 25 stolen bases and you're hoping for 10 plus homers. That's a good point. Um, you know, which is more bankable? We know that steals are terrible year to year. So I would say that Adam Jones's floor is higher. Well, yeah, I'm going to glo- say that. that Adam Jones that's fair. That's fair. Globally, they are too. But I think for, for st- guys who definitely run, you know, we're not talking about like the Chase Utley types or the Brandon Phillip types. Yeah. But for the guys who run, I still feel pretty comfortable about the stolen bases for Paul. But you're right. You're right. 20 to 25 is not that hard. I mean, for a guy, I mean, he, that's what he does. And, so yeah, I I'd say the floor is better for Jones. 
ceiling is better because the ceiling is better for Polanco because I don't think that you can honestly look at Adam Jones's stolen base totals over the last five years and say that you expect anything more than three stolen bases this year. Full agree there. And we're already and talking about a rib 16, cage injury. Yeah. And he went 16, 14, 7, 3. You know, he's just, it's not the same part of his game anymore. He wants to stay healthy. He's their slugger. And in terms of slugging, if you want to push it way past 25, I don't know where you're pushing it to. He had 32 and 33. Those are good years. They were also, you know, in the past, uh, and he's 30 now. Precisely. Uh, and he's, he missed, you know, he missed a lot of the first week. So, you know, I, I think you could give him 25 to 28, but he's not going to steal you much. So I think he's very predictable, I think. I think he's very projectable. 270 batting average, 30, you know, 25 to 30 home runs, you know, two or three stolen bases. But, uh, you know, Polanco's more exciting and has a little more upside. I, I agree. I agree there for sure. I think that that's uh, that's accurate way to look at it with those outfielders, all three of them. We like Polanco, that's for sure. If you're in any leagues with us and we don't have him on our team already, you're probably going to get a trade offer in the in the near future, perhaps. Who knows? Who's to say? Uh, you know, we're actually going to wrap it up. We're going to move the uh, track record discussion about pitchers, when to buy, when to panic a little bit or, or, or not, what to look for, to Wednesday. Because we did give them a full hour. I just want to make sure we give them a nice good full hour to, to sink their teeth into. And these six players that we talked about uh, offered us a lot to discuss. So we'll move that. Hopefully you weren't only listening to get to that part of it because we're going to give that to you on Wednesday. You know, I got to get some dinner. I, I've mentioned it before. I'm a, I can ill afford to skip meals and eating regularly during the baseball season is the most difficult part of my life. I know that sounds stupid, hey, but it's no. tough. You and Matt Duffy, dude, yeah, well, he no. said, he said regular meals go out the door and I can't afford, I need to eat a little something every once in a while. I can't afford to, to skip meals. He said those things literally to me I, this week. So. Man, man after you my own Matt, heart. Where's your, you, you have a dog, though. You don't have Cat Duffy. I don't. I'm not Cat Duffy. I, I'm, I'm Dog Duffy, but that's all right. Charlotte versus his big fat cat. I think Charlotte, if the cat was nice, Charlotte would be chill because I don't think Charlotte's met an animal or person that she hasn't been obsessed with immediately yet. She's the friendliest dog I've literally ever met. I'm not just saying it because it's my own dog. You know, Curtis had some had some people that he just wasn't he didn't take too kindly to. Just kind of like, eh, you're whatever, big deal. But other people that he liked, um, animals, he was just kind of like, eh, you're stupid. My dad's way cooler than you. Uh, with Charlotte, everybody and everything. It, she's the Lego uh, movie song. Everything is awesome to her. She just <laughs> loves life. So yeah, Matt Duffy and I, the Duff Man. We're, we're on the same wavelength. I'm going to get out, get some food. We'll be back Wednesday dominating. You'll be on the court going Christophs Persingas on him. I'll be going Evan Gaddis on the field. I mentioned that to you on Twitter. Hit a triple. What's up? Uh, yes, I'm bragging about my softball exploits. Deal with it, folks. And here's this one for the for the folks who love it, uh, who left a review. 458 reviews. We're at five stars. Please give us a, a, a review if you haven't yet. We really appreciate that. That helps hey, us move up the iTunes rankings. This this podcast right here, it's free, and the best way to support us is to do that. It's so to freely once, go into your iTunes. All right. So once once uh, we make you pay, then we'll stop talking about it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and by the way, thanks to everybody who's done it because I know I did that little screed going against the, the person who did that in the review. You guys have answered in, in spades. We're up to 458, and it went up like 30 over the weekend. So thank you all so much for listening, supporting. Hit us on Twitter, at Spore, at Eno Saris, at Jason Quet. I keep promising mailbag. Guess what? It's coming Wednesday. We're going to get 
three or four questions in along with that situation that we're, uh, the strategy section we were talking about, about buying pitchers and running against the pitchers. It's going to be a great show Wednesday. Thank you for listening to the Monday show. Eno, I'll talk to you in a couple days. If we didn't talk enough pitching, I'm doing a pitching omnibus tomorrow. I'm just going to hit up, you know, like 15 pitchers, give you a couple paragraphs on each of them. It'll be podcast style. Anybody who listens will recognize, you know, the oh, style. Gosh, just try amazing. to give you a couple facts and get in and out and, and say something that's about gonna it. That's going to be the change? That's the change tomorrow. Oh, so, man. Uh, so uh, that's, that's something to look forward to. Once again, thanks so much for listening. Thank you.